0: In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Listen, guys, that's where the power is. And as we go through the book of Romans, I believe it all stems from that verse. The fact that the gospel is the power of God. It's a power above and beyond any other power. When you see that God created all of this that we see, the earth, the sky, and everything that we see, that's great power, but it's not greater than the Gospel. When we read in the Scripture of people being healed of blindness, that's great power, but it's not the same as the power of the Gospel. When you see people that are being healed of of being crippled and lame, That is a lot of power, but it's not as much power as the gospel. Even when you see people in the scripture that are raised from the dead, that's a lot of power. But it's not as much power as the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the ultimate power. It is the power of God that gives salvation to everyone who believes. I am, I am happy for a lot of power that takes place in this world. When I get sick, there are medicines I could take that make me well. You know what? There's a lot of power in that. If I have to have surgery, if something's going on inside of my body, and there are surgeons that have taken a whole lot of education and spent a whole lot of money on that education so that they can know how to operate on me, successfully. Anybody can operate on you, right? But you want somebody who can operate on you successfully. There's a lot of power in that. But it's nowhere close to the power of salvation. Of spending eternity in heaven with God and His Son and the saints that have gone on before us. I am not ashamed of that gospel. Some people may make fun of me. That's okay. Some people may laugh. That's okay. Some people may look at me and go, don't you believe in science? That's okay. I do. But that's okay if you think I don't. I don't believe there's a contradiction between God and science. Matter of fact, God created science. Okay? Now, there may be a contradiction between God and some scientist but there's not a contradiction between God and science. But as powerful as science may be, it is not as powerful as the gospel that is the power of God to give salvation to everyone who believes. As we have gone through the book of Romans, we have seen that in those first four chapters, Paul gives a, a basic explanation of the gospel. In the next four chapters, five, six, seven, and 8, we covered 5 and 6 last week, we're looking at 7 and 8 today, we see where Paul goes deeper into this gospel. And if you read ahead, and I hope you did, if you didn't, I encourage you to read that later this afternoon. But if you have read ahead, you'll see that in chapters 7 and 8, especially in 7, you'll see that there's a lot of talk about the law in there. And and this discussion that, that Paul has about the law and where it fits. What is this? Why, how, does it, how does it fit with those that have that have accepted Jesus and are living under God's grace in Jesus? Where does this, this law fit into all of this? And I, I think if you read this, you will come to this conclusion that the law is good. It's good. Sometimes we talk about the law, and in the law I'm referring to the Old Testament and the New Testament, where there's rules and regulations and stuff like that. And sometimes we downplay that stuff because we're under grace. But we don't need to ignore the law. The law is good, but it's limited. It's good, but it's limited. And what it could do? Why is it good? The law gives us; it shows us God's character. It gives us an understanding of who God is and and what characteristics make Him. We identify better with Him in that. The law shows us God's character. It teaches us God's will. What is it God wants us to do? And the law also identifies sin what does God not want us to do (laughs) and it's because of that law that I'm able to understand what is sin and what is not sin now to some extent we can understand just from nature just from God's creation and, and and Romans alludes to this early on in the letter that we are without excuse because we have some understanding of right or wrong just through what God has created But through the law, we have a much better understanding of what is right or wrong. Because it identifies sin. You see, it's because of the law that I know and understand that murder is wrong. Right? It's because of the law that I understand that it's not okay for me to go and steal something from you. Right? Or even to covet something that is yours. To say, oh man, I wish I had, I wish I had that car. I wish I had that house. Maybe there's a way I can get theirs. Why do I know that's wrong? Because the law tells me it's wrong. Okay, the law is good, but it's limited in what it can do. One person put it this way: the law can show you how to get there, but it can't take you there that's a pretty good way of looking at it right there it can show you the way but it can't take you there I saw a book several years ago in a in a bookstore and the title of it was you can't learn how to ride a bicycle by reading a book just seems odd that that was the title of a book right but it but it's right I mean you could read all the books you want on riding a bicycle you're not gonna be able to ride that bicycle until you get out there and try to do it fall down several times get up try it again, maybe have somebody work with you to learn how to to ride that bicycle. It doesn't mean the book was no good because it does kind of give you a step up on maybe the competition that didn't read a book. You have some understanding because it showed you how to get there, but it couldn't take you there. And that's what the law does for us. It shows us how to get there, but it can't take us there. And so you see that discussion within these chapters, and I tell you what, as I was as I was digging deeper into these chapters this week, um, it just jumped out at me. In this, it, it's funny because sometimes I'll I'll, I'll I'll prepare for messages, and and sometimes I struggle with titles. Sometimes I don't. Um, sometimes I like. Hey, that's a pretty cool title. And some, it's like, yeah, this title will do, kind of thing. As I'm as I'm going through the preparation, (laughs) but as I came to this title, this title, it just jumped out at me as I was preparing this week. And the title is You Are a Winner. You are a winner. I believe ultimately that's what these two chapters together are saying, especially in one particular verse, we're going to be looking at that you are a winner. Because of what Jesus has done for you and your life in Him, you are a winner. You're no longer a loser. You're a winner. Now, I believe there's some steps we need to take in order to get there. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. And I believe the first step we need to take is we need to acknowledge our defeat. We need to acknowledge the defeat. We got to realize where we are before we can get to where we want to be, right? If you have a if you have a team, we're going to use some sports analogies today. If you have a, a a team, say you have a basketball team, and they're wanting to win the championship, well, they've got to take a good look at themselves and understand why they didn't win the championship last year. Maybe they got to improve their skills some. Maybe they need to change. Some, some teammates, get in some different teammates. Maybe they need a new coach. I don't know, but they need something. But they're never going to do that unless they acknowledge the defeat. Hey, guys, we didn't win this last year. What do we need to do to get here? We've got to understand where we are before we can get to where we want to be. And I think Paul struggled with this. I think in, in chapter 7, verses 14 through 20, we're going to look at here in a minute, I believe he illustrates this perfectly. Look at what he says. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. What the what, what? Yeah, it's Thailand all the time, man. That's crazy. It's crazy. But who can identify with this? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's this good you want to do. You really want to do it, but you don't do it for some reason. And then there's this other stuff that you don't want to do. You end up doing that very thing. And you end up being torn between the two. I like to call this the doo-doo passage. Okay? Okay. Because it's in the midst of these situations we just find ourselves in a whole lot of doo-doo, okay? And yes, you can take the double meaning of that, all right? We struggle, guys. We struggle. We know the good that we want to do, and yet we struggle to, to follow through with that, to actually do it. And yet we know the evil that we do not want to do, and we end up doing that very thing. And it wears us down. It wears us out. Our heart is torn between the good we want to do and staying away from the bad that we do not want to do. We talked a little bit about this last week when we put to, to, to the, to the, in the grave that dead person in baptism when we come up the new creation. It's a beautiful thing. The bad thing about it is is that dead person wants to resurrect too, right? They're like, hey, remember me? We spent a lot of years together. Don't leave me alone. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, oh, ah, ooh. We, we're just torn. And it wears us out. It wears us down. And sometimes we just feel like throwing our hands up and giving up. You just feel like life won't let up. Your prayers are running thin. And it's like, what can I do? What can I do? Here's the good news. When God is involved, defeat is never the last word. It is never the last word. (laughs) Acknowledge your defeat. Acknowledge those times that you've failed. Acknowledge those times that you've messed up. Acknowledge those times that you feel worn out and you just don't feel like getting up and trying again. Acknowledge those, but realize that where God is involved, defeat is never the last word. Acknowledge the defeat. The second step, give it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus. Have you ever been on a boat that has a, an autopilot on it, and you've tried to steer it while the autopilot is on, and you're like, "Man, I want to go this way," and you're like, and you know, you put in all your muscle, and you can get it, and you know, if you're strong enough, and you'll get it to go in a different direction, and you're you're trying to hold it, and then you're getting weaker and weaker, and eventually, you got to do what? You got to let go, and what does the boat do? goes right back to the same direction it was. Oftentimes we try to do that with our lives. It's like we try, we try to win by, by sheer willpower. And it's like, if I, just, if I just will this to happen, I will not do this again. I'm never gonna do that again. It's out of my life. And then within 24 to 48 hours, you find yourself right back there. Why? Because you get tired. You wear out. And none of us can do it by sheer will. For a period of time, we can, but eventually we get tired, and we got to let go, and it's going to go right back. You've probably heard this before, but you can't. Um, you can't if you keep doing what you've been doing. You're going to keep getting what you've been getting. So you got to do something different. <laughs> what is that something different? Give it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus. And Jesus will change the autopilot. Okay? He will turn it around for you. And I think Paul comes to this conclusion in chapter 7, verse 25, when he says, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I mean, we could go home right now, right? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus our Lord. The deliverance comes in Jesus. It doesn't mean the struggle won't be there. If you go back into the Old Testament and you see where Moses uh, was leading the, the nation of Israel out of Egypt, listen, they still had struggles to go through. They still had massive things to overcome. They had to believe the unbelievable in order to continue but you know what god did through all of that he delivered them he delivered them through jesus he can deliver us as well you got that sin struggle you're dealing with that whole do-do situation where you do not do the things you want to do but instead you do the things you do not want to do give it to jesus lay it at his feet it's not meant for us to handle on our own. That's why God sent us Jesus. So we could lay it at His feet. Acknowledge your defeat. Give it to Jesus. And then and only then can we take this third step and receive the victory. Receive the victory. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. (laughs) There's no condemnation. You know that sin struggle you're dealing with and you set it down, you pick it up, you set it down, you pick it up, you set it down and you pick it up? You're dealing with that whole do-do situation like Paul was? In Jesus, you are not condemned. Lay it at His feet. Give it over to Him. Chapter 8 also, and listen, we could do a whole sermon series just on chapter 8, okay? Yes, absolutely. And we may do that sometime, and Mark probably has on Saturday morning. But, but there's so much there to unpack about how the Spirit of God works in us and through us. In verse 11 of chapter 8 of Romans... It says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will bring life to your mortal bodies through his spirit. Who lives in you? You see, we have that life that comes through the Holy Spirit when we give ourselves to Jesus. And according to Acts 2:38, when we're baptized, we receive that gift of the Holy Spirit. And He helps lead us, He helps to comfort us, He helps to counsel us. He has such a huge ministry in our lives. Matter of fact, in chapter 8, it tells us that sometimes when we don't even know what to pray, you ever been there? You're just so distraught, you don't even have the words to pray. Chapter 8 of Romans tells us that in those situations, the Spirit will literally pray for us in the midst of that. It's a powerful, powerful thing. God's Spirit living inside of us, bringing this life to us. When we feel worn and torn and beaten down and defeated and dead, this Holy Spirit will bring life to our mortal bodies as well. Probably the key verse that really made me tie into this title is Romans eight thirty seven. After Paul was talking about all these struggles, his sin struggles and hardships and pain and all this stuff, he talks about, will this bring us down? And his, his response in verse 37 is, is this, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. We're not just winners, folks. We're more than winners. You know, you take that win and you magnify it. That's what we are. Through the One who loved us. Through Christ. Through the Lord, through God and what he does in us and through us, we are more than conquerors. We are more than victors. We are more than winners. If we acknowledge our defeat, we give it to Jesus, we can receive this victory. <laughs> Why? Because God is so crazy in love with you. It's not because of the law. It's not because there's this law all over God that says, well, I've... I've, I've I've got to make them more than conquerors. It's just one of those things i got to do. It's a rule. It's a, he doesn't have to do it. You know why he does it? Because he's radically in love with you. He is in love with you beyond reason. So much so that he sent his one and only son to die for you. It's crazy. I can't wrap my head around it. And i just got to learn to accept it, whether I can understand it or not. In verse 35 of chapter 8 of Romans, it says, What can separate us from the love of Christ? Can trouble nor hardships persecution? Famine? Nakedness, danger, even the sword. Can any of this any of this stuff separate us? from the love of Christ, it's right after that that we get verse 37 that says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. Why? Because we're such warriors? No! It's because of this love and the fact that nothing can separate us from this love. And Paul goes on to conclude in verses 38 and 39, for i am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of god i mean that's got to make you feel like a winner right you are a winner. You're more than a winner. No matter what you're going through or what you've been through or what you're getting ready to go through, you are a winner, okay? That's not just feel-good preaching. That's Bible right there because God loves us so much that he has paid the price. He has done the unthinkable in order to give us victory in Jesus. You remember that old hymn Victory in Jesus. We have that victory in Jesus. I love verse 37. Can we look at it again? In all these things, you are more than conquerors through Him who loved you. I don't know what you're going through. And we all go through something. You've heard me say it before. You're either going through something or you just went through something or you're getting ready to go through something, right? I mean, that's true for all of us. And you may think, "Man, my finances right now, I just this is I'm defeated." Listen. You are a winner. My relationships right now, I just can't handle it. I'm worn, I'm torn, I'm defeated. You are a winner your career, maybe you're struggling, maybe you're in transition, maybe you're thinking, man, I just don't know what to do and I feel defeated. You are a winner. And we have that ultimate victory through Jesus of spending eternity in heaven with Him. Guys, whatever you think about yourself, understand this that because of the love of God, you are a winner. Let's pray. God, we thank You for loving us. We thank You for going beyond reason to reach us with Your love. God, I just pray that You help us to respond to that. Help us to acknowledge that defeat, that defeat we have in our own wrongdoing, in our own sin, in our own mishaps, dear Father. And from there, help us to just lay that at Jesus' feet. Help us to give it to Jesus. And then we can legitimately receive the victory. God, help us to understand as we leave here this afternoon, whatever else we may think about ourselves, help us to understand this, that because of Your love, we are winners. And it's because of Jesus. And it's in His name that we pray. Amen.